Shalom, everyone. It's time for ancient Jewish wisdom for a modern world that will change your thinking and change your life. Welcome to the Dust of the Rabbi podcast with Rabbi Brian Baruch Belechi. Shalom, everyone. This is Rabbi Brian. I'm glad you've joined us for another episode of the Dust of the Rabbi podcast. We're in season three. Episode number 11, and this is another bonus episode to teach us how to pray. And it's been raining all day today while I've been filming, and so glad that you are somewhere cozy, ready to listen, ready to learn, ready to download ancient Jewish wisdom. And you've joined us for the Dust of the Rabbi because we believe it's this year, 2024, that you're going to become dusty from the dust of the Messiah's feet and drink in his words with thirst. So if you got your Bible, your pens, your paper, your journal. You're ready to dive into the Word of God. I got my Tree of Life Bible here today, and I've also got my Jewish prayer book, my Sephardic Sedur, and so grateful that you can pray not only in person or by yourself, but there are tools to help you pray, and this is a great tool to help you pray. Last time, we talked about how to pray like a patriarch or a prophet of Israel. And this week, we're going to talk about how to pray like a king. We're going to learn how to pray like King David. Man, boy, did David have some great prayers. In fact, if you've ever read the book of Psalms, you know, you can see a lot of the prayers there. But I'm going to read a prayer today out of the book of First Chronicles, what we call in Hebrew, Divrei Hayamim. And this is going to come from the first book of Chronicles. And I'm going to read about King David, who is the forefather of Yeshua the Messiah, because he is the patriarch, because he is the first godly king of Israel from the tribe of Judah since the days of Saul, the first king of Israel. And David's heart was one of those hearts that wanted to worship God. And so we see that God calls him a man after his own heart. I'm going to encourage you to be a man or a woman chasing after God's heart today, seeking God seeking his face and not just his hands. Don't just seek what God can do for you. Seek the one who created all things and in due time will give you what you need when you need it. As we learned last week, when you have a set time to pray, a set place to pray, and a set plan to pray. So hopefully this prayer of King David is going to help you pray like a king. Come on, we need some royal kingdom authority prayers today. And especially if you're praying for your family, your friends, your coworkers, your business, maybe you're praying for Israel. David taught us how to pray. Sha'alu shalom Yerushalayim in Psalm 122.6 to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, which is the capital of Israel. And that's the place where David reigned and where his palace was and where the temple that his son Solomon built was. Of course, until it was destroyed, it was rebuilt in the times of Zerubbabel up to the times of King Herod. But we definitely know that the temple was central to the place of prayer for the Jewish people, as it was for the tabernacle to be the central place where all the tribes of Israel would unite themselves in worship to God. So let's unite our hearts today in worship to God and glean from this wonderful prayer of King David. You might see some things in it that remind you of how Yeshua taught his disciples how to pray in Matthew chapter 6. So let's dive in today. So Tree of Life version, 1 Chronicles chapter 29. So let's jump into verse 10. 
It says, David blessed Adonai before the whole congregation, saying, here's how his prayer goes, Blessed are you, O Lord. This is how we pray in Hebrew. Baruch Atah Adonai. He says, God of Israel, Elohe Yisrael, our Father. This is also how Yeshua taught us to pray. Avinu, our Father. Yours, Adonai, is the greatness and the power and the splendor and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything in heaven and earth. Yours is the kingdom, Adonai, and you are exalted above all. Both riches and honor come from you. You rule over everything. In your right hand is power and might. In your hand to magnify and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. Sounds like hallowed be your name. But who am I and who are your people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? Meaning the sacrifices, the offerings they were presenting to God. For everything comes from you and from your hand we have given to you. For we are sojourners before you, mere transients like our fathers. Our days on the earth are like a shadow without security. Adonai Eloheinu, Lord our God, all this abundance that we have laid aside to build you a house, meaning the temple, for your holy name is from your hand, it all belongs to you. I know, my God, that you search the heart and take pleasure in uprightness. With integrity of heart, I have willingly offered all these things, and now I have seen with joy your people who are present here willingly contribute to you, Adonai, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers. Preserve forever such motives and thoughts in the heart of your people, and make their heart constant toward you. As for my son Solomon, the what he prays for his son, give him a whole heart to keep your mitzvot, your decrees and your statutes, and to fulfill them all and to build the temple for which I have made provision. Then David said to the whole congregation, Now bless Adonai your God. So the whole congregation blessed Adonai, the God of their fathers, and they bowed down and fell prostrate before Adonai and the king. Isn't that amazing that David prayed this powerful prayer to declare, God, yours is the kingdom, the power, the majesty, the victory, everything. Very similar to the prayer that Yeshua, Jesus, taught his disciples how to pray in Matthew chapter 6. And I love the fact that David realized everything comes from God, because we said it in the last episode. God is our source. Everything else is just a resource. And if God is our source, then he is our provider. He's our supplier. He is El Shaddai, the God who provided and supplied Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob with everything they needed. In fact, Abram in Genesis 22 prayed early in the morning, took his son Isaac to Mount Moriah, was going to be obedient and sacrifice his son until provision was made. And that provision was the ram caught in the bush. But he declared, Lord, you will provide for yourself a lamb. Because Isaac, his son, said, hey, father, I see the altar. We've got everything needed. We've got the fire. We've got the wood. But where is the sacrifice? Where is the lamb? Where is that lamb of God? And so amazingly, he responded with that proclamation that God will provide. Adonai Yireh. Not Job Jireh but the Lord, your provider, will provide what you need. That's how powerful praying in the morning sees the provision of God. Because when you pray to God, you're letting God know you trust him. And when you trust God, he also can trust you with the resources he wants to give you. Remember, God is your source. 
Everything comes from him. And if he is your source, then everything else is just a resource. So when you talk about prayer and praying like King David, we can actually see that from his lineage, like Solomon, God said, I will be to you a father. You will be to me a son. God was saying that for Solomon and every son that would sit on David's Davidic throne. Ultimately, when the Messiah returns, Mashiach ben David, he will sit on the ancient throne of King David and we'll be able to see this kingdom prayer come to pass, that everything is yours, the temple that was built, the sacrifices, the offerings, everything comes from God. Can you imagine what it's going to be like when the Messiah returns and all nations will know that God is the provider, that God is sovereign Lord, that God is sovereign King, that he is the King of the universe, and he has sent his Messiah to rule and reign on his holy hill Zion, as Psalm 2 declares. And this is the power of prayer. Praying like a king means to pray with kingdom authority. Did you know the word kingdom is a compound of two words? The word king and the D-O-M, dome, is from the word dominion. So kingdom means the king's dominion or the king's authority. So the kingdom is the rule and reign or the authority of a king. See, when you pray to God as king of the universe and you allow him to set on his holy hill Zion, his anointed king for the kingdom, he also has an opportunity to sit on the throne of your heart. And if you haven't surrendered and turned your heart over to God and allowed the Messiah to rule and reign, not only from Jerusalem, but from your heart, the throne of your heart, from your place of thoughts and emotions and decisions, from the place in your soul where you surrender to God. If you haven't given to God everything, then you haven't acknowledged that everything comes from Him and everything returns back to Him including the ones he created. You should return back to God every single day. One thing I love about David is David knew how to pray and repent. You see, sometimes I talk to believers and they say things like, well, repentance is only for when you first get saved. You repent of your sins and then you're saved. You never have to repent again. Or others will say repentance is only for people that make big mistakes, even if they are believers, even if they have turned their life over to God. If they make a big failure, big mistake, commit a big sin or a crime, then they need to repent. But really, repentance is not just changing the way you think, metanoia in the Greek. It's really teshuvah, teshuva, which means to return back to God, your creator. What if every day that God returns our soul back to us? Like the prayer I pray every morning, Modeani lafanacha, melakai vekayam, shehkazarta banishmiti behemla, reba emunatecha. God, I give you things living and eternal king, that you have given my soul, my inspiration of spirit and soul back to me today. Great is your faithfulness. Blessed be his glorious name forever and ever. When you think about praying and blessing and worshiping God for the breath he gave you, to wake you up this morning, to give you inspiration, to give you a brand new start, a brand new day with new choices, then prayer becomes powerful and prayer has its own authority because you're praying in God's kingdom authority, because you know that God is in control. Everything comes from him, and everything should return back to him, including the ones he created. Come on, let's return back to God. Let's get back into kingdom authority. 
Let's be kings and priests unto God and let his kingdom will and rule reign in us. Not our will, but his will be done. Let's stop praying selfish prayers where we pray our desires, but let's get God's desire. For he said, I will give you the desire of your heart. Maybe that doesn't mean he will give you every whim you want. Maybe it means he will give you the right desires, his desires, that you will pray. And when you pray, they come to pass because they align with his will. So I want you to start praying like King David. And one of the ways you can repent daily is take a prayer in Psalm 51. Let me read it to you. It says it's a psalm for the music director, a psalm of David. And it's a psalm that when Nathan the prophet came to King David after he had slept with Bathsheba, that these words were coined. He says, be gracious to me, O God, according to your mercy. You want God to be gracious and favorable to you? He says it's according to his mercy, chesed in Hebrew, loving kindness. According to your great compassions, he is av harakamim, the father of compassion. He'll blot out your transgressions. And he says, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Notice that sin and iniquity and transgression are referenced differently. They're connected, but they're different steps in rebellion. And so we'll talk about that in a second, how we can deal with the iniquity, the sin, and the transgression. He says, I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was born in iniquity and in sin when my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner being, in the hidden part, the inner man, and make me know wisdom inwardly. Cleanse me with the hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness so the bones you've crushed may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Here's my favorite one. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence or take your Ruach HaKodesh, your Holy Spirit, from me. But restore to me the joy of your salvation. Sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I'll teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guilt, O God, God of my salvation. Do you know what's so powerful about this is the blood guilt he felt was because of Bathsheba's husband, Uriah the Hittite, that he placed on the front lines of battle, hoping that he would die in battle and his sin would not be revealed that he had slept with Bathsheba, who was a married woman. And even though he had summoned this woman to spend one night with the king, (laughs) it was not necessarily something that he could cover up. When the guards knew, she knew, and others probably knew. But God was the one who could free him from the blood guilt. And God could create a clean heart within him and a right spirit within him. And he said, when I get that transgression cleared up and forgiven and washed away, then I'll be able to teach other transgressors your ways. See, this is what's so powerful about repentance. When you return back to God, to Shuva, God gives you a fresh new start so that you can teach others his ways. And notice that there's a difference in the text when it comes to iniquity, sin, and transgression. For instance, he says back in the first part of Psalm 51 that it's according to his great compassion that you will blot out my transgressions. The transgressions is where you've transgressed the law. It's like a trespass. 
You've gone beyond the boundary of the fencing that's meant to protect you, to keep you out of harm's way or danger, especially disobedience. And then he says, you wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, to wash away the iniquity. And he says, you've cleansed me from my sin. He says, but I know my transgression and my sin is ever before you. Against you and you only have I sinned. Now, another passage that teaches us about the breakdown of this, we can also look at Psalm 32. It says, of David, a contemplative song. So this is something that he was contemplating. He was saying this, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. So imagine his transgression sleeping with Bathsheba and plotting to have her husband murdered. That was the transgression he was forgiven of. It says, whose sin is pardoned meaning you're forgiven for the sin you did. The sin is not the act. The sin is the choice to act. So sin is the choice to rebel against God. That's what sin is. It's the choice to rebel. It takes the will of the soul to choose to rebel against God. But then he goes deeper. He says, blessed is the one whose iniquity you don't impute or count. You've not imputed iniquity to me. He says, in whose spirit there is no guile or deceit. So when you think about the spirit, the spirit experiences iniquity. The soul chooses with the will to sin, and the body transgresses or trespasses God's commands. So really, iniquity is the root of all of it. Because if you keep reading here in the Tree of Life version, verse 5 says, Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not hide my iniquity. I confessed my transgression to Adonai, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin, or the guilt of my sin. See, iniquity is the evil desire desire within the heart or the spirit of a person that is the root to the sin. He says, you forgave the iniquity of my sin. So every sin has a root of iniquity. That's the evil desire that makes you want to sin. Sin is actually the choice, not the action. It's the choice to rebel against God. And then the actual committing of the sin, to make a commitment to sin, you have to do something. And that is the act of transgression. So the root is in the spirit of a person, the choice is in the soul of a person, and the action is in the body. So when we think of 2024 and it being a year of obedience, a year of blessing, a year of overflow, and unstoppable growth... We have to think about the root of our sin, the root of our problems, the root to the fruit that are bad on the tree, because a good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. And if you look at the root of your sin, it's the iniquity, the unequity, the iniquity, which means something that's off balance. It means something that is an evil desire that needs to be checked and dealt with and confronted. The evil desire will lead you to want to sin specifically against someone, against yourself, against God. And then the actual action to commit the sin is the transgression. So I would encourage you to not only pray like David in kingdom authority, but pray like David in repentance and return back to God daily. Examine the deeds, the actions, the thoughts, the feelings, the choices, the iniquity or evil desires that have gone uncontrolled, and allow the Holy Spirit to search you. Let me give you one last Psalm of David that'll help you with your prayer time. Psalm 139. I like verses 23 and 24. This Tree of Life version says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Examine me and know my anxious thoughts. Verse 24 says, and see if there's any offensive way within me and lead me in the way everlasting. 
I actually like also the NLT, the New Living Translation on that, verse 24. It says, point out anything in me that offends you. So not just that there's a generic offensive way in me that offends people, but before I recognize that I've offended people, let me notice how I've offended God. How many know we can't lie to God? And if we've offended him, he will reveal the truth to us. And how many know we can't blame God for our circumstance like Adam tried to do, where he says, well, God, it was that woman you gave me. She caused me to sin. No, we've got to take ownership of our own actions. And we need to ask ourselves, before we say we've offended our spouse, remember that your spouse is God's daughter first. Or women, before you say, as a wife, my husband has offended me or I've offended him, Maybe think about him as God's son before he's ever your husband. So when you offend this person, you're really offending God. What you've done to the least of these, you've done unto me. That's positive and negative. And the evil you've done, remember, it hurts the heart of God. So pray that Psalm, Psalm 139, 23, and 24 every single day and ask God to search you. Search me, oh God, know my heart, test me, examine me, know those anxious thoughts that I have. Where are they coming from? Maybe a lack of prayer, because when you cast your cares upon him, he says, be anxious for nothing in Philippians chapter four, four through eight. He says, everything through prayer and supplication. He says, if you want the peace of God to guard your heart and your mind, you're going to not be anxious, but to make your request known to God with thanksgiving. And when you turn it over to God and cast your cares upon the Lord, your prayer not only have the power and authority of King David, they also make sure that they're intimate, real, and genuine, like David prayed when he prayed to be freed from the sin, to create a clean heart within him and a right spirit within him so that there is no guile, no iniquity imputed to his spirit man because he knew spirit, soul, and body. Sin does affect you. First, starting with the seed of iniquity, it grows into sin and then it develops into transgression. I hope you've gotten something out of this lesson today. I hope you take these Psalms of David, even take Psalm 91, he that dwelt in the secret place of the Most High, under the shadow of the Almighty, or Shaddai, El Shaddai, the all-sufficient God, the almighty God, the God of more than enough. Whatever you need today, you can pray like a king. Pray like a royal priest today. Pray like kings and priests unto God and watch the power of prayer. Bring every bit of provision into 2024 you're believing for. We love you. Can't wait to see you on the next episode. See you next time. Lahitrot. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, follow us for more episodes as you rate and review the podcast. Thank you for listening to the Dust of the Rabbi podcast with Rabbi Brian Baruch Belechi. Shalom. Lehitrot. See you next time.